vampire? I just stand there thinking you're a bunch of pyros. I'll be I'll be a pyro for God anytime, right? Man, light me up. Light me up. Your last week, um, during this time, during this transition time, I really felt strongly that there were people that were still recovering from effects of COVID. And, and you know, whether it's a loss of taste or smell or um, maybe your lungs are not back up to capacity yet. You know, we prayed last week. And, and so I want to ask if you were a part of that prayer time, if you were um, dealing with those things and God brought some restoration to your life, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody that got restoration? So I saw two or three. There were a lot more than that last week. So let's pray again. Let's continue. Because we've seen with the with the hands of those who said, yes, I've, I've received my restoration, some registration, registration, restoration. Um, we're not going to make you register for it. But the, the fact is, is, if you receive that, that is the testimony. That is what God is doing. That's what God wants to do. And so if you haven't received the, the restoration yet, it's still there. You didn't miss it. It's still there. So I want to pray for you again. And um, if you're still dealing with the facts of it, would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? Look around. Keep your hand up. Look around. Now, those who are around, people with their hand up, step over and pray with them. Put your hand on them. Stretch your hand toward them. And let's see what God's going to do. Let's see what God's going to do. Amen? He's going to fire you up. Thank you, Father. Father, once again, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for restoration. We thank you that your word says that your eyes look to and fro all over the earth for someone to show himself strong. So, Father, I pray that you would show yourself strong in these people that still need, still need recovery, still need restoration. Father, I pray that you would bring in restoration right now in Jesus' name. Let that fire of restoration settle upon your people. Father, show them that you love them. Show them that you're there for them. Show them, God, an encounter of who you are and how much you desire to be with them in health. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You received that this morning? So here's what I want you to do. As you walk this next week out, if, if you're feeling the, um, the effects of restoration instead of the effects of COVID, If you're feeling that, I want you to email us. I want you to let us know the testimony. I want you to let us know that God is doing something. Because when we know that, it brings hope to other people who are dealing with that. When you tell your story, it lights the story inside of somebody else. And so be be free with that. Email us. 
it's not a commercial, but email us at info at n3c.tv and, and, and let, us, let us know what God is doing in your life. Amen. Let us know his story in your life because his story is you making history. Amen. 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 Man, God's good. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Amen. Well, if you would, as we bring the lights up and stuff like that, if you would, turn around, turn to either side, in front of you, whatever. Give somebody a high five. Tell them it's good to see them today. everybody doing this morning? When I got up this morning, it was as warm. (laughs) The the low this morning on my my little thermostat thing that I've got, little temperature gauge, uh, was what our high was, (laughs) our low today was what our high was two days ago. And so... Um, I think, I do believe winter's on its way out. Amen. And then, you know, there's a few open spots out here. Somebody must have missed the daylight savings time. But we'll just leave it to that. Um, anyways, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church. And, uh, it is such an honor to get to be with you guys this morning, get to, uh, uh, get into what God has, um, put in front of us today. Uh, how many of you know that God's already walked this day out? So all we got to do is just hook on to him and he's already, he's already brought everything that we need today. Amen. And so um, it's good to be with you guys this morning. We got just, I want to change up some things before we get into the service today. Um, when we started this church in May, I think it was May 14th. Uh, 2000, the year 2000, May 14th, 2000. And um, we started by not knowing who would come to this church. Uh, We had no promise of anybody that was going to come. So one of the things that we did was we we put flyers in the bar, in in the dance halls. And so over in, in Fort Collins there at the Sundance Saloon, we we put flyers in there, but we just didn't stick them up in anywhere. We put them over the urinals and on the backs of the stall doors in the bathroom. I mean, you got to have something to read when you're there. So we thought we'd invite you. And, and so um, through that, um, we had several people come, and, and there's only a few that's left from that very first service. But um, one of the ones that came was a lady named Sandy. And and Sandy, she came to the very first one, and we've watched her grow in the things of God. We watched her get married. We, we, uh, we watched her, uh, 
you know, just be a part of this church and, and stay. And she, I don't even think she would, had asked Jesus into her heart. Um, I don't think she'd been saved until that time. And so we've got to walk with her for many years. Now, uh, a couple of months ago, we were able to pray with Sandy. She got a job down in Texas, and she moved down to Texas and started that job, and she's doing pretty good, I believe. Clay, right? She's doing really good. But um, she left her husband, Clay. She didn't leave him, okay? She didn't, she, she didn't leave him, but she left the house, and, and for him to to come down there uh, as they sold their home and, and uh, got everything moved up, moved, uh, packed up and moved down. And so uh, this weekend, we prayed over Sandy a few weeks ago before she left, but this weekend is Clay's last weekend because he's going down to join his wife and see what uh, they're going to, they're going to just make a big old mark on Texas down there. And so we're, we're excited for them and what God's doing. So I, I wanted us to pray over Clay. Is that all right with y'all? Um, we prayed over Sandy and Clay a few, few weeks ago, but um, we want to pray over Clay. So Clay, would you come on up here for a minute? And um, anyways, let's, uh, if you know Clay, um, you're awesome. Uh, if you don't know Clay, you need to know him, but he's going to, as soon as he walks out of these doors today, you ain't going to get another chance until next time they come back, right? So anyways, um, how, how long have you all been married? A little over eight years. Okay, good. I, I didn't want to throw a kink in there and go, I don't know. Um, a little over eight years. She's probably watching this morning. But the, uh, the fact of the matter is God brought him into Sandy's life. She prayed for you for many, many years. And, uh, man, you finally answered the call. And, uh, <laughs> I was stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, you, you've, you've been, uh, you still are, but you've, you've been such a blessing to her. And because you're a blessing to her, you've been a blessing to us. And so we, we thank God for you. So we want to pray and we want to send you out like we do here at Cowboy Church. So if you would, just stretch your hands towards Clay. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Clay. I thank you for Clay. I thank you for uh, the, the blessing and the answer to prayer that he is. Not just for Sandy, but he's a blessing and an answer to prayer for us and every person who meets him and comes into his presence. Father, I thank you for his spirit. I thank you, God, that he's a gentle man. And I thank you that, God, he is also a man that will vocalize his, um, his faith and he'll vocalize his stand in the things of God. So, Father, I just thank you for a strong Christian man. I thank you, God, as they go to Texas, as they start establishing roots down there in Texas, Father, that you will bring about the full harvest that you have for them. Father, I pray over their finances. I pray, God, that, that there would be money in the bank. I pray that they would find a good um, place to uh, begin to put down roots. And, Father, I, I just thank you for Clay and Sandy. I thank you, God, that he is a man above men, that you called him to be a mighty man, and he is a mighty man of God. Father, I thank you and I praise you. As we send them down there, I pray that they would take what they've learned what they, what you've given them in the gospel, and that they would spread it all over the place. God, that everyone they come in contact with receives the blessing and the prosperity of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life. Father, I thank you for Clay. Thank you, God.
Just give him a fresh boldness, a fresh new boldness to take into Texas. I thank you, God, for who he is and what you've done with his life. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, bro. Amen. Good blessing. All right. Now that I've got all crybabied and all that good stuff, man, um, God is good. I want to welcome you this morning. I really want to welcome, at this point, I want to welcome our new satellite church in Merced, California, King, Kingdom Ranch Ministries, man, Cowboy Church, we appreciate you joining us, and, and uh, man, you guys are a blessing. I can't wait to be back there with you again here in a, in a few weeks, but uh, man, it's, it's so... Um, it's such an honor to, to have you guys join us. And we, in, in this congregation, um, feel that connect, and we're praying for you. And, um, man, let this new time of video... I, I look better on video anyway, so y- y- y'all just <laughs> send me letters or whatever you want to do and tell me that. Um, <laughs> anyways, we love you, Merced. And so we're believing harvest there in Merced, California. Amen. All right. If you got your Bibles today, if, if you would go over to First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. This has been our text scripture over the last few weeks, and and uh, we've been doing a series called Death, Dying, and Deviled Eggs. And um, man, I hope you've got something out of it. I hope you got a little bit out of it at least, because the the fact of the matter is is death is a part of our culture. It's a part of our society. And, um, I mean, nobody, nobody gets out of this thing alive, right? So um, I believe that every one of you were brought into this earth in a urgency. And in that, we leave this earth and be joined with God at some point of our life with that same urgency. And, and so, um, and, and with the fire. Amen. Uh, so uh, today we're going to close out this series, but I don't believe that we're done. There is so much more to this. There's so much more that I haven't hit on. There's, there's so much more questions that we might have. And I don't mind if you would send me an email or something like that with a question you might have. I don't, I'll try to answer it. I don't know everything about death. I, I ain't never died. So I don't know everything, but God does. His word does. And so that's why we're talking about these things because, you know, we just came through a whole um, season the last two years. We've come through this whole season, and that's all we've heard about is people dying with this virus. And so um, I was looking at some statistics, and really, uh, because of the way that things are recorded, there hasn't been no real increase in deaths through COVID. They just took it away from other things like the flu. I mean, thousands with the flu, hundreds of thousands with the COVID. Before COVID, there were hundreds of thousands with the flu. So they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but but the, the fact is there are people that died, and we, we, know, we know those things. It's hit close to home. And for a lot of us in this room, amen? And, and so, but what we know is that God is good. And um, so we're going to, we haven't even scratched the surface of this thing, so I, I really um, want to 
probably hit on some more things as we go forward through this year. Is that all right with you? And if you have questions, just email us, and, and I'll try to either get you answered or, shoot, we'll preach about it. So, amen. All right, for, here's our text scripture today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, it says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. The writer here is the Apostle Paul, and he is saying thanks be to God. And, and so what, you know, that he's given us the victory. What has he given us victory over? Well, the, the context of that whole chapter is that he's given us victory over death. Yes, he's given us victory over sickness. He's given us victory over hurt and addiction. He's given us victory over uh, a broken heart. He's, so many things that, that God has given us victory over. Amen? But here in this context of this scripture, he is saying that thanks be to God that he has given us the victory over death. He's given us victory over death. And, and you know, when we talk about death, it's a lot of times people like, uh, they, they just push back against it because death is a mystery. There, there's not been too many people die and come back and tell you, there's some, but it's not every day that we hear those stories. Uh, we went and saw a movie years ago about uh, heaven is for real, a little boy that died and, and came back and, and, you know, that's a sweet little movie, wasn't it? I mean, I cried in the thing. It don't take much to get me to cry, but, but I, I, you know, just the stories of people who've gone to heaven and come back. But not everybody gets to do that, um, you know, in this current life. But there is a day that we die and we go to heaven and then we come back with Jesus. Amen? So, um, that you know, that's what I, I think about this, um, this subject of death. I think that uh, it's sometimes we don't like to talk about it because it's scary. It's mysterious. It's uh, difficult to understand. And it's difficult to understand the unknown. When we don't know something, what it's really like yet, we can, we can be scared of what that really is like. Um, so just so you know that, that one out of every one will die. And it's a 100% chance. Um, so I, I looked up some statistics and, and I just wanted to repeat these statistics in case, in case you wasn't here the last uh, couple of weeks, but on the world clock, uh, website, they say that there are 7.93 billion people on planet earth. And that in that every second around two people, approximately two people die every second. Right? Two more. By the, by the end of, of this day, there will be about 156,000 people that have died. And some people have asked me, they've said, well, that's a lot. What, how many are being born? Well, see, the, the departures are about two people per second. The arrivals are about four people per second. So every, every second, four more are born. 
four more. That's why the population keeps increasing. Because we're doubling up. So keep doing it. Be a contributor. Why do you let me do this? But we're, we're talking about death. So today, I, I want to... Uh, I want to end this part of the series with three foundational aspects or, or three foundational purposes of, um, of this series of Death, Dying, and Devil Eggs. Um, three, the, the three uh, foundational purposes of why that we're doing what we're doing by teaching on this. And, and so the first one, that I want to share with you today, and, and some of this probably repeat uh, a repeat of the last two weeks, but um, the first one for this series is that we are exposing death and its motives against humanity. We want to expose death, not run from it, not hide it, not hide from it, but to expose it for what it is. Because it, it is a major part of, of our lives. So if you would, hold your place in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and go over to Hebrews chapter 2. And um, so many times we avoid the conversation about death because it's because of fear. We, we sometimes fear death because we fear the unknown. We, we see that death is scary, it's frightening, it's even dreadful. I mean, it's like I said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, Lynette and I, I keep, or we keep t- talking to each other and saying, you know what, we, we need to talk about death. We need to talk about, you know, do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Do you want people to come and look at you when you're in your coffin? What kind of coffin you want? You know, we, um, we talk about those, or we want to talk about those things, but there's sometimes hard, um, difficult conversations to have because we get, we don't like to think about dying. We don't like to think about our spouse dying. Most of us. That was a joke. That really wasn't meant to be as morbid as it sounded, but the fact of the matter is, if we have victory over death through Jesus Christ our Lord, fear should not even come into play. Because the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Who has perfect love? God. Jesus. Holy Spirit carries perfect love. And perfect love casts out fear. So should we, we really shouldn't be fearful of death, but sometimes we are. And so here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 it, it, from the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, because, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus came to this earth and he died on the cross, not only for our sin, 
but he died. He became human and died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead because he does not want us to be afraid of death because the, the, the power of death that was in the hands of Satan torments people. And so when we have a fear of dying or a fear of death, it, it, it's not godly. That's not what God purposes to do. When we have that, he is just saying, look, I sent my son Jesus to die on the cross to be resurrected from the dead so that you don't have to taste death for yourself. Even though you die, you'll not taste death. And so he set us free from that. Uh, the, the, the fear of death, the, the word fear in, in the Greek is the word phobos. Phobos, P-H-O-B-O-S. And, and that is where we get our um, word phobia, right? You've heard that before. So the word phobos means to strike terror or dread. When we fear, it's terror and dread. We, we become enslaved to that. And, and so we've got this English word called phobia that's born out of phobos. And it's, uh, I looked this definition up for phobia, and it is an irrational fear of an object. Did you hear that? Irrational fear of an object, a situation, or a living thing. There are so many phobias that we have in our lives. And so I, I, I wrote some of them down. And... Um, I just want to give you a, a few here. Um, isoptrophobia. Isoptrophobia. What is that? It is the fear of mirrors. The fear of mirrors. I'm not going to look around and see who didn't comb their hair today. But did you have a fear of the mirror? I hope not. I hope not. Globophobia. Globophobia. It's the fear of balloons. My son <laughs> tied a balloon to my dog. Was it you that did that? Oh, it's always. This is, this is the story. She blame, he blames it on his sister. Now, okay, well, my kids tied a balloon onto my dog, and it freaked her out. And she's scared of balloons now. She has globophobia. Sorry, Rhett. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. Somebody's got to get the blame. Might as well tell on sis, right? Okay. Amen. I taught you well, grasshopper. Here's one. Nomophobia. Nomophobia. The fear of leaving your cell phone somewhere and not having it. That's a popular one today. Okay, here, I'm going I'm to hurry up. Uh, this is a good one. Uh, Iraqi, not, not the country. Um, Iraqi, Iraqi batyrophobia. Iraqi batyrophobia. That is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. This is legit, guys. You can Google this stuff. Phobophobia. Fear of phobias. Ecclesiophobia. 
Ecclesiophobia. It's the fear of church. <laughs> All right, here's, here, I'm going to make this one my last one because it's the best. Brad, go ahead and put that up there on the screen. I'm going to try to do this. Um, Hippopotamon strosis quipedelio phobia. Fear of hippopotamus. That, that sounds good. It's the fear of long words. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? All phobias come down to one thing, though. All phobias come down to one thing, and it is fear of death. You don't, you're not afraid of, you're really not afraid. I'm, I steer clear of snakes. I'm really not afraid of snakes. I'm really afraid that a snake will bite me and I'll die. (laughs) I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling and splatting and dying. So all, all fear, all, all fear is fear of death. There, it comes down to the fear of death. And the fear of death is called thanatophobia. So we, we all come down to the, the fear of death. But here, here's what I want to tell you today, and we've said this over the past couple of weeks, is that we're not ready or free to live until we are ready and uh, unafraid to die. You won't really live your life to the fullest until you are unafraid to die. Amen? So the, the mystery of death is uh, it's, it's easy when we have that fear of death. It's really easy for us to get into a place where we start thinking wrong. We have wrong ideas about death. And, you know, everybody has been touched somewhere in their life by death. And to try to explain that or, or try to understand that is tough. And so we do the best we can. And a lot of times we grasp a hold of wrong ideas that create wrong thinking about death. And when, when we do that, we associate death with finality. It's final. Uh, we associate death with loss. I'm so sorry for your loss. We lost them. Uh, we, we associate death with hopelessness. And so when, when we do that, and let me tell you something, we all have to go through that. I was the same way until I heard somebody preach on death, until I started studying about death from the Bible. And the, what it brought was an ease to death, uh, the way that I think about death. And that's why I had the ability to be able to stand next to my dad's bed while he went home to heaven and was able to do that without losing my mind. Yeah, it hurt. I didn't like to see my dad go in that condition. I I didn't like to see his heart slowing down and uh, that gaze that came in his eyes as he, I believe that he was watching the angels go up and down the ladder, kind of like Jacob's ladder. Uh, I I believe that my dad was seeing that because he was laying there just staring at the ceiling and he would say, hurry, hurry, 
hurry, hurry. I go over there and I say, Dad, what are you hurrying about? And he said, I don't know. I said, you got to go to the bathroom? He said, no. And then he would start. I've, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he was watching those angels go up and down that ladder. And he was looking into the heavenlies. I didn't like and I don't like that he's gone. But it, I dealt with it easier. Because I didn't have that fear of not knowing where he was going. Amen. If we allow wrong thinking, if we allow that kind of thought, then what's going to happen is that death will overrule our hope and enslave us to fear. And God don't want that. God don't want that. The journey of freedom from death and dying comes through the truth. The word of God is the truth. And so the way that we need to understand death and the way that we need to deal with our thoughts and our um, uh, actions of, of what happens in death, uh, we've, we've got to seek the truth. Because Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, verse 32, he says, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. It'll make you free. It'll create, that word make means to create in you a new place. It's not, you know, some people say you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's, it's one thing to be set free. It's another thing to be made free. It's a creative miracle that takes place on the inside of us in our thinking when we are made free. God is doing a new thing. He's not just setting you free. He's making you free. He's not unlocking the chains. He's dissolving the chains to never be put on again. Amen? So we need to learn the truth in order to set us free from the fear of death. And, and so that's, that's the first thing that we need to do. Number, the, the second foundation that we need to look at in this series or that we've been establishing in this series is that we have to put death in its place. Put death in its place. Death don't rule you. You rule death. I, every time I get on an airplane, I set my place to rule death. Because there was a time that I didn't like airplanes because I was afraid of it crashing and dying and, and me dying. Then I went and jumped out of an airplane. I don't have that fear of the plane going down anymore. Does it challenge me? Absolutely challenges me. But I take authority over fear of death, take authority before I get on that plane. While I'm walking down the jetway, I always say that, God, what you have done in my life is that whatever I put my hands to will prosper. We will go to the other side. And I'll put my hand on the side of that plane going through the door, and I say, give my, give my pilots wisdom to fly this sucker. Right? You gotta, you gotta put death in its place. You gotta put fear in its place. And, and so, um, hold your place in Hebrews again. Go back to First Corinthians 15. The reason that we push back against death is because we are created as eternal beings. 
God created us as eternal beings. He never created us to die. He didn't create us to die. It was Adam in the garden that sinned, and when he sinned, it opened the door for fear and death. Uh, yeah, fear and death, sin and death to come into our world. And a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, when, we're, when we get to heaven, we're going to have a talk with Adam. And I was thinking about that, and you know what God said to me? He said, you would have done the same thing. So just back off from Adam. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch you all do it. Uh, now, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we were created as eternal beings. God created us to live forever. So, you know, we don't want to die because we were never meant to die. Adam's sin opened the door and gave power to that death. So let's look here at 1 Corinthians 15, 22 through 23. It says, just as everyone dies because... Because, because we all belong to Adam. We're from Adam. Everyone who belongs, but everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Amen? So if you die you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you die, you will be raised with him when he comes back. Let's go on, skip on down to verse 25. It says, For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, Jesus has died on the cross. He's been resurrected from the dead, right? He broke death in that moment. He broke the power that Satan has of the power of death. He broke that. Yet, it's not come to its full place yet. That's why we die. Our bodies die. If you're born again, you're a Christian, then your body will die and go back to this earth, but your spirit goes to him. The Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Let me just put it this way. There's no in-between space that when someone dies, they either go to hell or they go to heaven. They don't get to stay here on the earth. Well, what about ghosts? Ghosts aren't real. I mean, they're real. They're real in the sense that it's an entity, but it is not your Uncle Fred. It is, not, it is not your Aunt Eileen. It, it is not those things. A ghost in this time is a demonic spirit called what the Bible calls a familiar spirit that knows all about Uncle Fred and Aunt Eileen, and they're going to come and try to move into your life to create fear that your uncle and aunt are here. It's called a familiar spirit. They studied everything there was while Uncle Fred was on the earth so that they can mimic everything that he does and make you think that that's Uncle Fred. No, Uncle Fred, if he's a Christian, he's in heaven. He's not in your bedroom. He's not in your closet. He's not in your car. He's not in the insane asylum that shut down years ago. He's not there. He's in heaven if he's a Christian. Amen? <clears throat> 
So that's why it says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. You read Revelation, you'll see where Jesus does a uh, Spartan, uh, Spartan, Spartan, a Sparta kick to death into the lake of fire, is what it says. Maybe not the Spartan kick, but he, he, he kicks his butt into the lake of fire and, and does away with death totally. Death is not an event. Death is not a happening. Death is an entity. It's an entity. Death, the Bible says, is our enemy. Death is an enemy. It's not a friend. It's not sweet. It's not your bud. Death, there, there is nothing good about death. It is a bully. Death is a bully. Death is an intimidator. Death is a terrorist. And death is a thief. And death deserves no honor or respect. I remember as a kid going to a funeral or going to the funeral home. And, you know, my mom and dad would say, Shh, you boys, be quiet. I mean, when you go into a funeral home, it's quiet. <laughs> we got to respect the dead. No. I really don't. I did not tell my mom and daddy that. I didn't tell them no. But what I'm learning now is that death has, does, um, death has no place that we need to respect it. It's an enemy. There is no honor given to death. To the, you know, pay your respects to the person who t- maybe touched your life, that their body is in that place, but they're not there. They're in heaven. They're not there. But death deserves no honor or respect. Here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, it says, um, what we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. Now that word, that phrase, a little lower than the angels, is that Jesus was, uh, this is a teaching that I have not taught in a long time. But there are three different heavens. There's the heaven, the atmosphere that we dwell in, you know, the atmosphere that's above our head, that reality that we see. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is where the angels um, uh, dwell. It's where angels dwell. And the third heaven, the Apostle Paul says, I went to the third heaven. The third heaven is where God and Jesus dwell. The third heaven is where your Christian... um, people that you know that have gone on from this earth, they're in the third heaven. So when it says that it made Jesus a little lower than the angels, it means that he came out of the third heaven and came into the first heaven. The angels dwell in the second. He went below them and came here to be a human. Does that make sense to y'all? I'll teach on that sometime, but not right now. Uh, It's a little too much. But it says that he was a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. It's, it's because he suffered death and tasted death for us is the reason that we don't have to taste death. When we die, we don't have to taste death. We just leave this body and go into the heavenlies with him, with, with God. Amen. 
But it says here that he broke the power of the devil who had the power of death. Now, the devil loves to uh, inflate himself as this Lord of death. He wants to be this Lord of death. He wants us to think that he really is a seven foot tall, buffed, maxed out, strong, ugly, fearful thing with a, you know, with this red hue to him and a pointed tail and a pitchfork following you around waiting to get a hold of you. That's his claim to fame. His claim to fame is to, is to be the Lord of death. And he, he expresses himself as a scary, ugly, muscle-bound, grim reaper. The devil loves inflating himself. And so he terrorizes and bullies and intimidates in order to get us to respond to fear so that we can open the door for him to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he, he inflates himself. And, and in Second Timothy chapter 1, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God didn't give us the spirit of fear. The word fear there is the word intimidation. God has not given us a spirit of intimidation. So when the devil steps into your life and tries to make you fear death, he is flexing his muscles and he's trying to get you to fear so that he can open up a door of sin and death in your life, a door of fear of death. And, and that's not what we've been given. Did you know that we're going to be surprised at the way the devil looks? We're going to be surprised. In Isaiah chapter 40, uh, in Isaiah chapter 14, I want to read this to you. The devil's a punk. He's a weenie. Oh, pastor, you better not say that. What if he comes? He's a weener. He's not. He's a weener, a weenie, a sissy. He, listen, listen to what this says. I, I need to just get to it. In, in verse 12 of Isaiah chapter 14, it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Now, Lucifer is a good term, even though he becomes the devil. He was God's worship leader in heaven. So he says, he says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of, uh, of, uh, of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. Verse 15 says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, which is hell and the lowest depths of the pit. Verse 16, listen to this. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, is this the man who made earth tremble? Is this the one? He's not as big and tough as he said he was. He's a sissy. He's a weenie. 
He's not big and bad. Just don't be scared of him. Don't be scared of him. Amen? Jesus' resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection put a hole in the devil's inflatable Hulk suit. Because that's all it is. He just went and got a Hulk suit and put it on, and then... And tries to intimidate and scare. He's a weenie. Jesus put a hole, a hole in his Hulk suit. I thought that was pretty funny. Because the resurrection of Jesus is what overcame the power of death or the mystery of death. The devil was put under Jesus' feet. And if we are Christ's followers and we have the victory in Christ, then he's under our feet too. The devil is under your feet. He's not above you. He's not coming at you. I mean, he comes at you to try to make you think that he has some kind of power. And he don't. He don't. Jesus broke it. Jesus broke it. So that is death's position. Death's position is under your feet. Number three. It's the last one. The foundational purpose of what we've been talking about is that we need to develop comfort in the mystery of death. We need to develop comfort within the the mystery of death. We don't need to let death um, be what panics us. Amen? See, my job as a minister is that I've been ordained to marry and bury. That was one of the things that was said over us whenever we got ordained was now you have the power to marry and to bury. And so in 20 years, 25 years of ministry, even more if you go back to when I was just a first Christian, first uh, out of the box a Christian and wanting to minister, some 30 years, I've done a lot of funerals. I've probably done hundreds of funerals. And, you know, some people think, well, you're a minister, you do these funerals, you see a lot of death, um, you know, you're, you're kind of numb to death, right? No. I mean, I can't count the times that, that whenever I was uh, ministering someone's funeral and I began to cry, I got choked up. Because the compassion and the empathy is still there. I mean, I'm not crying over the dead, but I'm crying with the people who have died, uh, that their loved one has died. It's, you know, when I've invested in somebody and and they have a loved one that died and they ask me to do the funeral, I cry for them. The Bible says mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. I'm not numb to death because that's my job. But in that, you know, my job... As a minister, my job as a Christian, your job as a Christian is to be able to um, bring comfort and hope into every situation when someone dies. To bring hope. 
and to bring comfort. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our comfort. And so when we have Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we have the equipment of comfort to wherever you're at, to whether somebody is in the hospital dying or somebody has already died, you have the ability to bring comfort into that situation. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we've read this over this, over this um, the length of the series. We've read it a couple of times. But from the message translation, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, And regard the question, friends, that has come up about what happens to those who are already dead and buried. We don't want you to be in the dark any longer. First off, you must not carry... Oh, uh, carry on over them like people who have nothing to look forward to as if the grave were the last word since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave God will most certainly bring back to life those who died in Jesus amen I was thinking about this verse and I was thinking there are many of us myself included you're going to be surprised at when Jesus shows up or when you get to heaven, you're going to be surprised at who is there. Because you're going to think that that person who 10 years ago spit at you and told you to go to hell, they just wrote their ticket right there. I mean, that's what we think. They just wrote their ticket. They're going to hell. You know, they won't listen to me. They won't receive Jesus. Then they're going to go to hell. But you'll be surprised at who is in heaven. And I think we'll even be surprised at who ain't. It goes on in verse 18. Skip on down to verse 18. It says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. He's talking about death. He's talking about death. Uh, Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected from the grave and that when he comes back for his church, when he comes back for his people, that we get to, we get to be there. And he's saying, he said, now take those words that I've given you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that he's broke the power of death. Take those things that drive your comfort and begin to comfort others with those same words. Because hope releases comfort. I, I, love, I love what he said there. He said, don't act like people who have nothing to look forward to. Heaven is everything to look forward to. Being with Jesus is everything to look, be looking forward to. Amen? See, the longer we live, who wants to live a long life? I mean, I want to live a long life. If you're not raising your hand, you're weird. I mean, we all want to live a long life. We, we, we want to live a long life. But the longer that you live on this earth, the more funerals you will attend. And, and when we live in fear and dread of death, we miss the equipping of comfort. If you fear death, there's not much comfort that you're going to give somebody who is walking through death. 
And we're comfort carriers. We're hope carriers. A few, few months ago, a month or two ago, I ministered on being a hope dealer. You got you to, you know, you got your dope dealers, you got your hope dealers. I want to be a hope dealer. And so in that is what we know to be releasing hope, releases comfort in our lives. So, the, you know, how can we minister comfort in death when we have no comfort in ourselves? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, this is um, from the Passion, uh, Passion Translation. It says, All praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for He is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in painful trial. We can bring them the same comfort that God has poured out on us. That's what being a Christian is, y'all, is that God has poured out all of his love, all of his nature and character, all of the comfort and hope that he has has been given to us but it will not come out in us if we allow the walls of fear to block us in. In the Old Testament, I, I love the saying that Joshua um, and David both said when they were fixing to die. They said this, they said, I go the way of all the earth. See, the death is a journey of who we are on this earth. God made these bodies from the dust of the ground. And the Bible says that dust returns to dust. Ashes to ashes. I heard one preacher one time said that he was preaching his first funeral and he wanted to make a statement. And he says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Let's hope this coffin doesn't rust. <laughs> He said, I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> but we all return to the dust. This, this, this body was made out of the, of the dust of this earth. And this earth, uh, there, Satan has a lease on this earth that has not been called yet. So our body has to return to this earth. We can't take it into heaven until Jesus comes back and evicts Satan from this place. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> no one gets out of this thing alive. Death is inevitable. No one gets out of this thing alive. No one knows their last day on this earth. There is somewhere on you, there is an expiration date. And you can't see it. There's an expiration date to every one of us. And, and we, should we should not live like we have plenty of time. That's why the writer of Psalms said, number your days. When you get out of bed in the morning, yes, you've got an agenda. Yes, you've got places to go. But don't assume that this is not your last day. Not out of fear. Not out of fear. But out of making the most of your day and what is priority to you and you pushing into that. The biggest priority that we can have is to tell somebody about Jesus that day. Express your life 
live your life that you have on this earth as an expression of what God has done for you and what Jesus has done for you. Be the Bible that someone, your, that your life is, is the Bible that they'll read. Does, it, does that make sense? I think I said that totally wrong, but you all get the gist. We should never live like we have plenty of time. In John chapter 6, and this is my last push into this. In John chapter 6, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 people, or really 10,000 people the day before. He's walked on the water that night and met up with his disciples, miracle after miracle. This, this is the moment. The next day, he begins to minister again to the people that he had ministered to the, the day before, the 5,000. He begins to minister again. And, and halfway through his sermon, he says this. I, I love this. John chapter 6, verse 38 from the Passion Translation says this. Jesus said, And I have come out of heaven, not for my own desires, but for the satisfaction of my Father who sent me. My Father who sent me has determined that I will not lose even one. I will not lose even one of those that he has given to me. I will raise them up in the last day. For the longing of my Father is that everyone who embraces the Son and believes in him will experience eternal life and, will be, and I will raise them up in the last day. Jesus said, this is, this is my purpose, not to lose any one that he has given to me. So here's the comfort in that. The comfort in that is it's God's will for everyone to be born again. He don't, he don't assign people to go to hell. There's some teachings out there that says that he assigns people to go to hell. He doesn't assign people to go to hell. I can show you in the word where he desires for everyone to be saved, for everyone to go to heaven. Hell was not created for us. It was not created for human beings. It was created for the devil and his stupid demons to, to reside in, not us. He desires everyone to go to heaven. Amen. Everyone who embraces the Son and believes in Him will be raised up. When we believe and embrace Jesus, it brings eternal life and future resurrection for us. Having that comfort, we've been given the responsibility to share that comfort. To receive the comfort of what Jesus did on the cross bought and paid for our lives, broke the power of death. That is our comfort, and that is the comfort that we should be giving to other people on this earth. That's why we'll be surprised at who's there. Because Jesus said, I will not lose even one. I will not lose even one. That's what makes our responsibility of preaching the gospel, that's what makes it successful. And that's what makes it great.
know, some people won't share the gospel. Some Christians won't share the gospel because they think if I do and they don't receive from me, they're going to go to hell. Well, if you don't tell them, they're going to go to hell. So we might as well step out there and give some comfort of that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and he overcame death for us. We need to speak those things. And here's what I believe. I was just thinking about this. What if Jesus said, when you spread the gospel, when you preach about him, when you offer somebody eternal salvation through the story of Jesus, that you would have a 100% success rate? How would you feel about that? I mean, that'd, that'd make boldness come out, wouldn't it? I do believe that that's what he's saying. I believe it with all my heart because Jesus said, I will not lose even one. I will not lose even one. Even though you tell them about Jesus, we don't know what they do on their deathbed. If we tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's, you know, that he died for us. If they say no to you, you've still preached the gospel to them. And that's all God asked for. He didn't tell us to close the deal. He said, just give the deal. I'll take care of the closing. Don't think so high and mighty of yourself that if you walk off and they don't pray the prayer, that they're going to hell. That's why you're going to be surprised at who's in heaven because they're going to go, okay, I'm here on my deathbed, but that guy that I spit on and told to go to hell, he told me about the gospel and Jesus, I receive you and he dies. You're going to get there to heaven and go, whoa, how did you get here? And they're going to say, because you told me. And I may not have said it to you, but I said it to Jesus on my deathbed, and I am eternally grateful. I believe that we have a 100% success rate because Jesus said, I will not lose even one. Sharing that comfort, sharing that comfort. See, we become Christians by the power of death and the power of of resurrection. That's why we can stand in the middle of this life and we can say, thanks be to God who gives me the victory in Jesus Christ, my Lord. I have victory over death. You have victory over death. You have been given the gospel that breaks the power of death. When somebody receives Jesus, they receive his death, burial, and resurrection, which broke the power of death. You'll not taste death. You'll not taste it. It'll be just a transition into heaven. But in the meantime, we need to take what he's given us in heaven and begin to minister it into this earth. That's what being a Christian is all about. And death, dying, 
and deviled eggs don't have to be a burden to our lives. Amen? Satan is under your feet. Fear is broken. And death is defeated. And we carry that. Amen? Now comfort others with that. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had together. And Father, I I pray that if there is a... um, any kind of confusion or any kind of um, question about death, Father, I pray that we as Christians that have a Bible will begin to seek you and your word about it. And so, Father, I thank you that you have set us free. You've made us free. And you've given us the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that if there's anyone here or anyone watching or anyone listening, that if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never um, received his death, burial, and resurrection, right now, that is, the, that is the coolest thing that Jesus, that God has ever done, is given us victory over death and given us victory over fear. And if you've never stepped into a place where you're a Christ follower, or you're a Christian, and you are um, comforted by that eternal life, now's the time to do it. It's not about praying a prayer or walking an aisle or raising a hand. What it's about is receiving Jesus when he died on the cross and receiving Jesus in his resurrection state because he's alive. He's alive, and he wants you to be a follower of his life. So if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life or you've never stepped into that place where you follow him, now is the time to do it. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I say yes to you, and I follow you. You say, Pastor, what does that look like? I don't know. Everybody's journey is different, but I promise you that Jesus will not let you taste death. And he breaks the power of fear in your life. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, because he is the, he is the picture of perfect love and perfect love casts out all fear. We thank you. We praise you, God, for being born again, for walking with you through your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.